Welcome to Sports Trebuchet. This is Marty. This is Josh. And we are actually missing Kyle. Before we talk about why he's missing, uh, follow us on Twitter at Sports Trebuchet, on Instagram at Sports Trebuchet. Uh, subscribe, listen to it for a while, then rate us, give us a chance. Uh, tell all your friends, tell your mom, tell your nan. Especially your nan. Especially your nan. I feel like it's Father's Day coming up, but she deserves it. She's put up with you for this long. And him, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of you. Um, so yeah, no Kyle. Uh, this is the first time Josh and I have done a show together, and it's just been us, which is exciting, which means it's probably going to be our best show, or worst, uh, depending on how you look at it. But I don't think anyone's a Kyle Mark. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think there's going to be people in Kyle t-shirts. Yeah, so Kyle is actually gone because, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Pride Month, and he decided to celebrate uh, for the next week. He's going on a tour of parades uh, that are happening across North Carolina, I think down into South Carolina, too. Um, but, Josh, you had a theory on where he actually went. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course I do. Thank you for the prompt. Uh, yeah, I, I, by all means, this is, like, a good thing for him to do. Obviously, we stand by our mate. He can do whatever he wants, you know what I mean? Like, this is a very diverse and inclusive podcast, so, you know, good for him. But uh, I do believe it's probably a red herring. Uh, it's the perfect time of the year to throw it out there because I believe he's probably going to search for the end of the world. Yeah, he's he's inve- he's, he's single handedly investigating everything Bobby told us last week, and it starts <laughs> with the flat Earth theory. <laughs> he's, 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 he's he's making the long trek to the edge of the Earth to find the ice wall. <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. So uh, while he's... I don't know why I fucking said pardon me. It's like I'm on a call. Yeah, while, um, he's, while he's sailing. So uh, what we're going to talk about, which I'm not ever really good about covering what we're going to cover up front. Uh, we're going to go over E3. It's coming up this weekend. Um, we're recording on um, 6-6. Uh, then we've got some Premier League uh, talk about the season that has passed and previewing and kind of highlighting the new teams that are coming up. And then we're going to talk about AEW Double or Nothing... Um, we're going to kind of mix some WWE talk in there, but we're also going to talk about those uh, John Moxley interviews that were so whew, uh, flammable. I don't know is the right word, maybe. It, they were interesting. So <laughs> They were interesting. They, they were, they were uh, very direct. Um, Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD. Let's start with E3. We're going to cover first of the three of the confirmed games that are going to be shown at E3, which ones we're more excited about? The most excited about, even. Um, Josh, do you want to lead off, or do you want me to lead off? Who, who do you want to go last? And do you want to do me three, you three? No, we'll do one each one at a time. Okay, cool. We might cross each other's off. That's probably a good call. True. 
I don't think you'll have any of mine. I don't think you'll have any of mine. So I don't know. That's the hope. Yeah, Kyle right. out is going to keep a lot of double dipping from happening. Yes. So I'll start with mine then. Uh, I'll start with mine number three. And it's going to be, maybe it'll be a controversial one. Uh, the new Pokemon games come into oh. Nintendo Switch. Is Pokemon Sleep in there? Is that one of them? Or is this the Sword one? It's Sword and Shield, but I've read about the Sleep one. I'm not really, I don't know anything about it, honestly. I don't know either, but I heard someone mention it, and the only time that gamer, the only market for gamers that hasn't been taken is while they're sleeping, and that Pokemon just fucking did it, and it's, it's brilliant. It doesn't have to be anything. Right. And connect your set, Fitbit, maybe, if you have like a certain amount of like. The Pokemon app that tracks your sleep is set for release in 2020. Uh, it's going to collect data on how long you sleep, what time they wake up. You know, people are saying that you need to watch Apple and Google for their data mining, but it's fucking Pokemon all along. Do you think <laughs> you come think, out there? How many lives do you think Pokemon Sleep's going to save when it discovers that you have sleep apnea? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's tracking your heart. Discovering heart murmurs. <laughs> it's just, oh, there's a heart murmur. You get a Pikachu, but you probably should stop by your doctor and get a physical <laughs> because you, you're, you're very loosely uh, That's the only electrotherapy you want to have to get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, the reason why is because I was a huge Pokemon mark as a kid. Like, I collected the cards, I played the Game Boy games, loved it, so loved it, watched the TV show, was mad into it, and the one thing that I'd always thought of, even as an adult, it would be sick if they went all out and made a proper Pokemon game on a proper console, and, like, actually went for it instead of this bullshit they've been doing for the last 20 years. Like, it's a formula that works, clearly. Because they keep selling them. Mm-hmm. Not to me, but they keep selling them. And the reason I'm picking it as my number three is because it's actually finally getting some proper console treatment. And it's probably going to be the biggest upgrade they've made on a Pokemon game in the last 20 years. So I'm pretty excited to see what they do with so it. So are you imagining like the first Pokemon games on Game Boy, that, but on a console where it's like The Witcher or something, where you're walking around, you're meeting trainers, you're finding Pokemon? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it looks like it's going to be? Because I haven't seen it. I haven't from... seen a lot of it either. Um, that's probably why it's on there too. I think if I'd seen a lot more of the footage, I may have a, I might have a different opinion. I don't know. Um, so but even if it's, it doesn't really have to be fully like Witcherized. You know what I mean? It can yeah. be. Uh, it can still be top down ish, but I'm hoping they're going to be able to do what they should have been able to do would a long time ago. Would you be okay with a? Pokemon style game like that and when you have to battle another trainer when Dig Dug or whatever Geodude uh, punches Pikachu that it goes to x-ray vision and shows him snap the ribs and break them and send like spears through his eye like Mortal Kombat 11. I would die for an MKX Pokemon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sub Zero. <laughs> Sub Zero and Charizard going at it. Oh god! It's just yeah, and the, the the I can see the commercial now where it's like the ice and the fire meeting up, and it's just they're fighting back and forth. That would be sick. Yeah. So my my <laughs> my younger brother was into Pokemon, and I tried to be cool and not get into it because it was right. I was right at that that. The precipice, the precipice of it starting... When were you born? 86. Okay, yeah. So My brother was born in 89. 
and I was 90. Okay. So, so right in there. Yeah, yeah, and so like anyone that was in my grade didn't really play it. Anyone in my brother's grade did, and then in between it was kind of spotty. Yeah. I really dug the cards though. I'd never gotten into it. And the thing that let me down, it would have gotten me more into Pokemon, was the first time they had, I think it was an N64 game, and it was like Pokemon Arena where they'd fight. Yes. And yeah. what and what I, I had mean. and what I had imagined it to be versus what it actually ended up being was such a letdown that I just failed. And I can't remember more than five of like the actual Pokemon names. I played the first two on Game Boy. Yeah. And enjoyed them. They were great for road trips and shit. It was fantastic. Game Boys were the bomb. They really were. I remember I was collecting the Pokemon cards and for any Pokemon collector out there, I had two shiny Charizards and they were they're worth like a hundred dollars now. If they got bought them by Willis, right? Or they get who was it that wouldn't bought them all up? Oh Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy in England bought a bunch of them. But I had two of them. One of them got put in the wash by accident. And the other one is a worse story. <laughs> I was about, what, 10, 11 when it was at its height? Yeah. And I got seduced by a 16-year-old girl who stole my shiny Charizard. Absolutely. <laughs> do you know, do you remember her name? Uh, no. Damn. I think I've had to ask her full name, put her full name in. <laughs> she, uh, she, it was at a party. Get our 25 listeners to hunt her down on the internet <laughs> and try to find her. Internet witch hunt, do your, do your job. <laughs> time but to yeah, cancel her. Sad times. Uh, I didn't plan on doing this in order necessarily, but uh, my number three. Going, are you done with Pokemon? I, yeah, I feel yeah, like we I didn't. can move on. Okay, I mean it's Pokemon, and how deep can you go? Was uh, Roller Champions? Okay. So I didn't know of this game until like three days ago. Neither did I when you told me. <laughs> and the only reason anyone knows of it is because like some information got leaked. It's Ubisoft. It's supposed to be almost entirely online and focused on the Rocket League style of play. And I think style of art based off the images that were in that article that I showed you. Right. Uh, that is on IGN if anybody needs to look at it. Um, I don't really care about the game. What worries me is that Epic buying Psionics is having something in the background of like mindless online fun. And Laser League didn't do it. Laser League was a little bit too complicated. Yeah. Didn't we play that together? I think yeah. it was free. Uh, there was another game that came out, and it was like a disc tennis game that came out for PC, and I had like a free trial, and it was not good. Okay. It, was, it was weird, but it was aiming for that same style. Uh, I don't know. Did Roller... you hear a Spark? No. Spark was the VR version of Rocket League, I think they were going for. That sounds like it'd make you sick. You would stand at, it was, no, in terms of like that mindless online just banner. Gotcha. So you would stand, it was one-on-one, and you would stand at two ends of a corridor, and you would have a ball and a mitt, and you would try and throw the ball past the other person. Was it Spark with a Q? S-P-A-R-C. Oh, I see it. And it was, I bought it for VR when I had my VR. And man, my arms were battered on it. But that never really peaked either. I, I think they actually, uh, the, that company folded. After That's, a while. yeah, I'm looking at the image now. That's the craziest shit I've ever seen. So it was almost like head to head of Wildlife. Yeah, it was mental. It was absolutely mental. But can you, because I don't know what Roller Derby is. So what is it? What are you so uh, this is going to be a very watered down version because okay. there was there was a roller derby on like Spike TV back in the day when they tried to make it like a thing. They presented it like old WWF too, like kind of a like 
you know, these people hate each other and these teams hate each other and everything. But for fuck's sake, I don't even know if there's a ball or anything involved. But it's essentially a relay race. I don't know if I'm suited to answer this question. <laughs> the, more, the more I think about it and the more things I've seen, because I keep thinking of that and then I keep thinking of that shitty Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where it's like murder ball or something and it's got like roller derby-esque things. They go around in a loop. They can hit and check each other um, and knock people off the thing because I'm assuming you're... I don't know. I, how is uh, roller derby played? I'm going to try to get cliff notes. Roller derby is a contact sport played by two teams of five members skating counterclockwise around a track. Gameplay consists of a series of short matchups in which both teams designate a jammer who wears a star on the helmet. The jammer scores points by lapping members of the opposing team. So if you and me are against each other and we each have a person on our team, I knock you down so that my... What do they call them? Golden Cinch. Golden Cinch. Yeah, the jammer. <laughs> so my jammer can loop and pass you. Okay. So it is kind of like a relay race. So it's Big almost... Sips. Yeah, it's almost like you're playing body... It's almost like... Uh, God, what was the game in Call of Duty where you had to protect one person? I don't think it was Call of Duty. It might have been like Rainbow Six. Uh, but it's like protect a, it's like protect the package where you're yeah. just like... You're, it was like you, it was like the blah blah is the president like okay, protect so, the president so you have that so typically I think your teams look like the jammer is usually in, probably an ace skater fast as shit and then your jammers are likely more than anything fucking brawlers and right. I'm curious what it looks like in an online video game now isn't it just angry soccer moms that play that uh, that like bulk up so get on the pets there's been a push recently in I feel like hipsters like millennial and it's an overused word but like in a very earthy crowd sometimes very empowered crowd a woman will play it because you don't necessarily have to be big or strong you just have to be able to skate um yeah I've seen all types though from the very little that I've like you see a clip here and there I know Dave Meltzer writes about it which is fucking bad shit to me <laughs> alright yeah it's weird He's such a tosser. All right, so what's the next game for you now that we got in the weeds? <laughs> Welcome to the Roller Derby Trebuchet. Uh, my next one is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I knew you were going to put that on there. I saw that on the list, and I was just like, huh. Yeah. It has been, when it first got shown... You said it was seven? Yeah. Okay. When it first got shown to be remade, nearly pissed my pants with excitement. That was last year. And that's been, no, that was about four years ago. Oh, oh. <laughs> this, this thing has been in development for a long time. And I think they're in a mixed state of knowing what they want to do, but they don't know whether to structure it in just one disc or... And I think they're also terrified of fucking it up. Because they've announced it, they've told everyone they're doing it, and they're really scared that they're now going to screw it. So I guess the final verdict was that they didn't do it in episodic format, which makes sense given it was three discs back in the day. Jesus Christ, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like a 70-80 hour game. And on PS1, like, they just didn't have that space at the time. Was the story linear, or could you, were there branches? So it was like an open world RPG. Okay. So it was, the, the story itself was linear, but at any point in time, once you got into the open world map, you could branch off and do other things. There was a whole shit ton of side quests you could do. So it, it was what every game is now, 
in terms of like the sandbox part of things. Yes. Like you could do a GTA mission in GTA Five, but you could also just go fuck off in the hills and yeah. chase bears and stuff. Yeah, same thing. Except it was JRPG, so it was all turn based. Yeah. And a bit wackier because it was Japan. I'm sorry. Because it was Japan. Oh. Okay. And they do crazy shit. <laughs> Bury the Japanese over here. <laughs> I mean, why not? Is E three week? Yeah, this, this is their time to shine. Is now the time for me to try to play Final Fantasy with the remaster? If they do the remake, yeah. Of course it is. Because it's not going to be turn-based anymore. Do they all have spiky hair? Like Goku and shit? The main dude does. Yeah. What's the main guy's name? Cloud. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. That's... Never understood that either. Yeah, it's odd, but... But it's, uh, it's not going to be turn-based anymore, which is, I know, something that you're not a fan of. It's gone to, like, the action RPG stuff now. So you would be just fine on that. I think so, but is there a lot of maintaining what you're carrying? Like, I've got to make sure my backpack is, like... Like in Red Dead, you've got to have fucking orange, orange slices. You have to have apples for your horse and all No, this. no, back in the day, everything was just... Like, you open your menu and you had everything. Okay. Like, you didn't have to worry about carrying shit. Like, or, like, storage or, like weights yeah because that's stuff like that yeah on that you just like you could just buy buy 99 potions at the potion shop and you could keep them all gotcha which I feel like it'd be easier just to buy the way to make the potion and then you have a limitless supply yeah there is I mean that's how Monster Hunter do it that's how that's that's how No Man's Sky did it too yeah but it was a pain in the ass in No Man's Sky because you had to fucking fly to planet to planet See, for Monster Hunter, it's handy because you can either buy the potions outright or you can, uh, when you go on hunts, you can collect herbs and the herbs then automatically get crafted to potions. Gotcha. So, like, piece of piss. So, my number two yes. is Watch Dogs Legion. Okay. Did you ever play any Watch Dogs? I played the first one. Same here. And I only played it for, like, 15, 20 hours. I'm not even sure I got that far. Yeah, I uh, I really liked it. I think GTA Five came into my picture when I got it because it was before GTA Five, and I was okay. just buying time, and it kind of trumped it, and I never went back. But it's something I want to pour more time into because I think I I like it. I like the stealth aspect of it. At least it was in the first one. It's supposed to be a new character, but it's set in London. Okay. That's the most interesting part to me, is that it wasn't like Chicago, I think, the first one was set. It was Chicago. Yeah, and I, one and I couldn't give a fuck about it. But I'm curious to see how they um, to see how they do it. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Is it be just the same style like as the first year, or are they revamping it? So it wasn't even supposed to be announced. So I think they're showing something very basic at E3, but it got leaked pretty early. And I guess that studio that makes it is pretty poor about keeping things under wraps, apparently. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I could, I could do with, I liked GTA V a lot. And it was fun, but there was also, I felt like in Watch Dogs, there was more consequences for your actions and they weren't as easy to escape. With GTA V, you just get five stars, you're running from helicopters and shit, you die, you start over, and it's no big deal. Yeah. But I like the stealth aspect for games. I'm normally not into that that bit, but I, I dug Watch Dogs. I felt like Watch Dogs was just the futuristic version of Assassin's Creed. And given it was made by the same people, I think mm. it was even more 
reminiscent for me. But interesting shout out. I thought that would, I knew you wouldn't have that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd never even heard of it. And the first two Watch Dogs, like I said, just weren't that bothered. My final one is Death Stranding. Hideo Kojima's new game. The geniusly fucked up mind behind Metal Gear. I have no idea what this game is going to be about in the end. Speaking of uh, Japanese and their... Um Kind of quirky. Yeah. But it's, what were the names of the two women? The two female? Did you see that? In what? In Death Standing? Death Stranding? What is it called? Death Stranding? No, no. I didn't see it. I saw the... So the lad who plays Daryl in Walking Dead is mm-hmm. the main character. That's the only one. I, and I watched like a six-minute launch video the other day, but I, I didn't catch... He's got like a baby strapped to his chest, right? Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's like Matrix-like stuff. So one of the females' names, it was very, like, Freudian. One of them named Fragile uh, is one of the female leads and something else. I cannot remember the other one, but at the time I thought it was funny, so I mean, not worth mentioning. It's such a Hideo Kojima thing to do. Like, he, uh, he's... When, when in Metal Gear 3, you were facing, like, the end. And it was a dude that was older than time that was like an expert sniper. You were very on the nose. So on the nose. Yeah. Or like you had like the sorrow and like it was a dude that like made you like mourn things. (laughs) Like he ain't, like he doesn't dig like like 80s WWF. He is. He is almost (laughs) like, I mean the whole thing of Metal Gear was like very 80s. I have no idea what Metal Gear was about. I thought it was just a weird war game. No, I can't even begin to explain the depth of that shit show of a story either. So do they have a release date for it? Death Stranding, yeah, I believe it's November. Oh. Um, so I suspect they'll probably show quite a bit some point in the next couple of weeks. I've heard that Kojima's the guy's name, right? Yes. That he had a reputation for pushing games back, though, if they weren't perfect? This has been pushed back for a while. Okay. Um, and yeah, he is. And I think that, well, that was the biggest reason he left Konami. Because they pushed out the newest Metal Gear when he wasn't ready. Oh. And he was, he's like a Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, um, that's what I kept hearing. hearing He's like that enigma of like, I'll just leave then, fuck your money, I'll do it for the art. Like Moxley that we'll be talking about shortly. But he, he, in this case, was bigger than, not bigger than Konami, but had a name that stood on its own. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be able to make a shit ton of money or get picked up somewhere else so fast. And like, I'm not even sure if a company snapped him up or whether he made his own. So, it just looks incredibly interesting. I don't understand anything I'm watching, which generally means I'm going to like it because I never understood anything I was watching with Metal Gear half the time. And I had a ball. And he's insisting it's going to be unlike anything you've ever played before. Yeah, so... I think I saw a question that someone asked if it was a stealth game. And he responded with, as I'm getting similar questions, I, so I shall repost. Death Stranding is not a stealth game. Could move subjectively, but not a first-person shooting game either. By incorporating with the concept of connection, and in parentheses, strand, it's totally brand new genre called action game slash strand game, Parentheses, social strand system in parentheses. Yep. So, <laughs> so, I think I get the strand 
connection part he might be going for in that it sounds like a fancy way to say butterfly effect maybe throughout the game, your decisions. It sounds to, it sounds to me like it's almost going to be co-op play online constantly. It looks like the world is going to be massive and it looks like your decisions are going to affect other people's worlds and theirs are going to affect yours and that is the strand that like you work together to make something better right it's, but, it, but in a shared world is there a big bad boss that wants defeated is defeated across all worlds maybe who knows I don't know enough yet and I feel like I felt like when I watched it and I didn't really understand much more about the bigger picture of what the game is I thought I was just falling behind and then I'd go on social media and everybody else was just saying like it looks great I know he's a genius. I don't know the fuck I'm watching, so I feel better about it. Yeah, and at this point, it's like, is it going to be one of those like artist renditions where you see someone painting and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? And they turn it upside down and it's like, oh, it's fucking Obama. They painted Obama. Right. Or is yeah. it like Jackson Pollock where like he's throwing this shit all over the thing, all over the uh, the uh, canvas, and you look at it, and it's like, it's really pretty, but. It's also kind of just paint splattered on a canvas. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know with it. Especially, I guess my question would be, with the strand part, it'd be really cool at launch if everything's all connected, right? But how does the game progress in a year? Right. Is it the same thing over and over again? You know, is it the same spawned enemies or whatever? Yeah. Who knows? There's a lot of questions, but I'm excited for it. Uh, My number three... Because I think we both actively tried to avoid the one we're going to end up talking about maybe the most. Okay. Uh, is Borderlands 3. Okay. Did you play any of the Borderlands games? No, but Borderlands 2, the full collection, is PS Plus this month. Is it? I've really? already downloaded it. I might will be. I might download because I never played 2. The, the, a bartender I used to work with, his older brother was on the board of directors for the company that makes Borderlands. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I didn't know this That's until cool. we went to go see Hell in a Cell. We met up at his house. He lives in this humongous house in Frisco, Texas, and when you went in, he had a movie theater, and he had, like, fucking cardboard cutouts of, like, a bunch of Borderlands shit, a bunch of aliens, because they made an alien game, um, Alien Marines or something like that. Anyways, yeah, yeah, colonial. the thing I like, to, I like about Borderlands is I liked the first one a lot. I liked the art style a lot. Yep. It's quirky, like the Portal games, which I also dig, but... I think I'm hoping that there's an online multiplayer situation that is a lot of fun, not unlike um, the Apex, or what is the big one that came out in the last year that all the fucking pro gamers play that's got like... Destiny? No, no, no. no. It's got like a lot of weird... um, It's got like a fucking cowboy guy. Anyways, uh, it's kind of got a... A surrealist aspect to it, but it's still a first-person shooter. Right. That's what I'm kind of interested in, because it might be a cool change of pace. I thought you would say it, and you didn't. And there's actually two more games I want to talk about that I'm excited for. Okay. First, it's the Modern Warfare. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yep. So we downloaded Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, right? Is that the one we're on? That was free for PS Plus? Modern Warfare Remaster. Yeah. Okay, so Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remastered. Yeah. 
and it's ignited the fire again because I love it and I've yep. forgotten how much I missed it but when I look at Modern Warfare the new game it makes me nervous because it looks almost too real and the fact that Modern Warfare Remastered isn't as real maybe benefits it you know because like even though yeah. dipshits are jumping around they're still jumping around and it's part of it or you can fall from the top of like a second story building and It'd not die fun. Yeah. but I'm wondering you know how that game mode changes if that's gonna alter and it's like cool you can't really play like that anymore um I'm interested in that I mean they could take the Rainbow Six Siege model of realism the one for uh yeah Siege the one that you play right yeah cause if they did that it would be just fine it would be just fine. I mean, that's still one of the biggest online tournament competitive games. At this point, it's been out so long that I'm afraid to get it and enjoy it because I feel like there's going to be another one coming around or coming out at some point. I'm not sure, though. I think similar to Rocket League is that they've done so much to it over the time yeah. that they're probably not going to touch it until, keep until PS5, maybe. And even then, they may just port it yeah, that makes sense too. Same for Rocket League. If it's as popular, it could be the counter-strike of you yeah. know, Rainbow Six territory. Yeah. The other game was Marvel's Avengers. Yes. That uh, I know Kyle would have liked to talk about, but Pride Month and all that. Um, I have no idea, and I don't think anybody has any idea what the fucking game's going to be. Yeah. Right? No. And the only frame of reference we have is the Spider-Man game that just came out. Yep. And they have said that it's going to be a third-person action adventure. Okay. So, like, that is as vague as you get, so, other than the fact that I'm happy it's not first-person. Thank God. <laughs> that's, um, that's all I can say. Yeah, if you have a fucking... You have cap shield and you're, like, field of vision see, for... Yeah. yeah. be awful. And the other frame of reference is Ultimate Alliance, the Ultimate Alliance series. Yes. So the Ultimate Alliance series was third person, I guess you could call it, in that you were like, I don't know what you call that, because you're it up was in the just, It was very similar to Pokemon. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a top-down 3D... Yeah, except it was like type. a weird like 45-degree... Yeah, like Diablo. Yeah. Or okay. Bubba's Gate. Yep. It was all those sort of games. So, with those frames of reference, I'm excited, because Ultimate Alliance was a great group game. Spider-Man was an incredibly great function game from a control standpoint yeah because you could button mash but once you didn't have to and you knew what you were doing it was a lot of fucking fun being able to fight off baddies or fly around New York and all that other stuff yeah it was like a fast paced slick Arkham see I never played Arkham I only played the first one and I couldn't get into the rest I loved the first but once they made it more open worldy I, I, I felt it was too slow and clunky and then Spider-Man come out and shows me why I thought that because yeah. he just made it like rapid that might also be a difference in the heroes too though oh it a is little bit. 100% especially because I've been much more of a Spider-Man mark than Batman forever so. easy to be um, have fun or be depressed uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what it looks like, because if it's hypothetically even 80% of what that Spider-Man game is, if there's multiple people playing with you, which we're assuming there's going to be the multiplayer aspect of it. And they said that there's going to be uh, co-op at points, or uh, certain aspects are going to be co-op. Yes. Like, where you can team up with four of you as right. Avengers, which so makes sounds me... too good to be true. That's what Ultimate Alliance was, though, too, right? But you're suffering in the... 
just about everything else in terms of appearance. Yes, it was still a lot of fun. You could do a lot of cool teammate team ups, but like you said, it was it was it was a Game Boy or Game Gear level, maybe a bump up graphically. Yeah, it was like a it was yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm really excited to see if there's anything on that, and we have to wait till fucking Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern time to hear it. Yeah, um, and that fucking sucks, but. The rest of this segment for E3, we wanted to go over other stuff we're excited at about for E3, anything being said uh, at large. Yes. You have the floor. I only have one thing, and it's probably going to be the most talked about thing. The total absence of Sony at E3. Yeah. I didn't realize they had pulled out until a day ago when I started kind of digging into this topic. They pulled out, I think at the end of last year's E3. They said we ain't coming back next year. So, E3 has been the biggest games conference that I've ever remembered since forever. Yeah. And my my curiosity is, is like, Nintendo already do, like, the Nintendo Direct stuff. Mm-hmm. And Sony are now starting to do the same thing. Is it going to be, like, the beginning of the end of this big E3 experience? Because you've just lost 33% of Not your the game of E3. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You've never had that before. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how much of a tank it takes, especially if they then don't show up next year. I'm wondering how much of it has to deal with... Maybe it's that they're putting all their resources into something like the, the next generation of console and they don't have anything to show and they don't want to waste their time just playing the fiddle for playing the fiddle, you know? Um... I think there might be a larger part, which is controlling the narrative, right? Because at E3, it's no holds barred versus a Sony proper press conference. Not unlike Apple or when Xbox does their like solo things. Right. You can control the narrative and control that show a little bit more. Yeah, I, I have no right. idea. I think you're right in that they have the PS5 coming. <coughs> it's not a secret. They've, they've actually started to talk about what it can do. They've showed renders of what it can do. Yeah. Like and the speed I think that it moves. That, I think they probably want to make a PS5 official announcement and it wasn't gonna be ready soon enough for this one and it's gonna be too late next one. And I think that they're gonna do it sometime between this one and the next, and for that reason that's why they've sacked it off. Right, doing like their own November press conference or yeah. whatever it is and do a big announcement. But the reason that you said they haven't got enough that they think is worth doing when they've put all their resources into this. I mean, it makes sense though too because that's what was kind of annoying about E3 in general is you'd go and you'd see the EA Sports Conference and let's say you're really hyped about a game or you see that FIFA's going to be like shit again but then you go to the PlayStation Conference and sure as shit there'd be 15 minutes on FIFA yep. on the PlayStation Conference. And I think that's the other part of it too. Like, I wonder if it ends up just being a developer conference in the end. It should be. Because then you, like don't, be. you get rid of Sony, you get rid of Xbox, you get rid of Nintendo and you just go ahead with all the different things. And think of the, like now we're getting onto it, but like think of the, the spotlight and the platform it could give the indies. These right. indie companies. Especially indie companies that are owned by Sony or Xbox. Right. Right? Like that Sony can say, hey, we have a game to show. It's maybe just a PlayStation exclusive, but you can still show it. Yeah. And it not be a larger PlayStation show. Yep. Because they are awkward. Like the transitions from They're awful. every little The panel. presenters are bad. It's yeah. all just cringeworthy stuff. 
yeah, it's still everyone getting excited about video games, which we spent 35 minutes on, so so who are we to talk, maybe? But right. it's still very weird. But they do give the aura of lads that just somehow manage to look out from getting out of their basement and into a massive stage. Yeah, it's like, the only place have... I can imagine being stinkier than a wrestling show. Yes. Or a proper comic Yeah. What was the other one where they said that they've got to wear deodorant to get in? Comic-Con. Was it Comic-Con? It had to be. (laughs) Um, That's all I had, too. I actually wanted to touch on that Arkham series for a second, because there's supposed to be a new one. Oh, really? It's coming out. Yeah, and it's... uh, Who knows what it's going to look like. But I never got to play any of them. First one was excellent. Really? Yeah, I just just never... It was another case of... It's so far gone, is it worth my time? And then something new taking my time. That's fair. And Rocket League ended up being that. Rocket League is the best and the worst gift because it's kept me from buying a it's lot of It's ruined games. a lot of yeah. Yeah, experiences. Moving on to yeah. the sports and sports trebuchet. Uh, let's talk about the 2018-19 Premier League season. Uh, the surprises, maybe some of the disappointments. And then we talk about a little bit of the... Uh, new club introductions, which is going to be your specialty. Okay. You want to hit the shocks and disappointments first? Let's do disappointments first. Okay. Because I want to see where we overlap here. All right. I'm going to go up two. Okay, I've got uh, three, and one is, I think, one's done, I think, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, so Sala... Everybody listening to this knows... The, the knowledge gap is there. So if anything, it should be more interesting from somebody who hasn't watched it as much as they had in the past, yeah, and for, given their opinion. And for context, at some point we're going to do like a reintroduction of all the hosts, what we're from, where we came from, what we're into and stuff. Uh, if you haven't gathered that, just so you don't have to go listen to the first episode, because the first episode, it was a beta. It was very much a <laughs> trial by fire um, before we realized what we had. But... I started getting into Premier League soccer back in 2011 or 12, I think. And then just due to timing conflicts and work, after about a season and a half, I stopped watching. I tried, I still played FIFA and the like, but I wasn't in, you know. And then this first, this is my first full season back, full board, watching at least one match a week and oftentimes two. I'm just going to do all three of my letdowns. Yeah, hit, yeah. hit me. All right, one is uh, Salah not winning the Golden Boot outright. Bummed me out a little bit. Okay. Because I love him. And Mane and Abumayang is... Abamayang. And I don't know how much... I'd never heard of Abamayang before this season, so I don't know how much of that was a surprise. Maybe it wasn't. No, he's been uh, banging in insane amount of goals for Borussia Dortmund before he came to us. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so like, it was... I, I had never heard of him. I had heard of Mane, and I had definitely heard of Salah before. Um, him not winning an outright kind of obviously not because I feel like and he might have if he didn't get hurt in the last like the yeah. was it the last week or second to last week yeah um, the other one is uh, the Ole Gunner uh, takeover of Manchester I'm not disappointed that they finished sixth I'm disappointed that they didn't either finish second or third or 15th or 16th like I wanted him to come in and either be this fucking golden child or for it to just be, uh, oh, he's actually kerosene on the fire that is Manchester United and CM Tank for the sake of the top six being shaken up in the standings in the finals. I think you had a mix of both, though, right? At the like, beginning, he was not, right? It was the Golden Goose, and they, and they never intended to sign him to a contract, and they gave him a contract because of how well he went, and then 
he went from gold to the petrol on the fire. Yeah, I just, I, just, saying, I, like, I just wish I wish it would have been one way or the other. All the way through. Because it would have been really cool to see him take them to third after them having such a shit start. Right. From just a pure, like, oh, wow, this is a difference a manager makes standpoint. Right. Or when he gets done... <laughs> Or whenever they fucking fall past tip, and it's just like, oh, this is the difference a manager makes. Um, and then my third one was, uh, I only watched a few Bournemouth games, but what was crazy to me was that they had the highest medicals scored that wasn't a top six squad. They also had the most goals allowed that wasn't a relegation squad. Okay. So they scored 56. I think the bottom... The bottom of the top six scored like 63 or 61 or something. Okay. But they allowed 70. And the only one that was even close, I think it was like 78 for Fulham or something like that. <laughs> like, like they were just a fucking mess. And I'm here for fast or just full score so- going crazy soccer, or at least having a team that does it. And right. Watford, I didn't mind doing or watching sometimes because at the beginning of matches... They were boom or bust. It always felt like when I watched them because yeah. they'd either be... They went all in. They were going long ball and fucking killing it or they were going long ball and getting just <laughs> pressed to shit and not have a chance. Um, so it's probably Bournemouth finishing 14th when I would have loved to see them shoot up higher or completely fall apart. Either allow 70 goals or score 56. Don't do both. That's, <laughs> that's fucking crazy. That's that. Uh, what were your what were your, some of your uh, disappointments? So I have three actually now I'm thinking about it. So, first one was the fact that the relegation battle was over pretty quickly for a bunch of teams. Huddersfield and Fulham just fell apart so fast, and it took away some of the shine of it. Because I like I like having two or three spots open at the end of the season, and by the end of the season, everything was wrapped up, like pretty much everything but the title, yeah. and that's not as fun. So that was disappointment number one. Second disappointment were a couple of players not hitting the level that I thought they would. Biggest one amongst them was Ryan Sessegnon at Fulham. He tore the league up the year before at left back, left wing for Fulham. He was like this England prodigy. Like Everybody thought he was going to go to somewhere for a shit ton of money. He stayed on Fulham and he was a bang average disappointment. Whether he was coached wrong or whether he ain't got it or one of the two... I was disappointed because I thought he had it, and he didn't. Though, I think everyone thought Fulham was going to have a really potent offense coming up, too, right? Between they, him and yeah. Mitrovic and everybody else. They spent £100 million, pounds, which, is, which was like the third highest net spend in yeah. the league. So, like, that was insane. Uh, so, I was disappointed with him because I thought, I thought he had better in him. And maybe he'll sign for someone this summer and will do it. Maybe he'll stay with Fulham and boss the league again, and that will be what he needs. I don't know. But... That sucked. And my last one was the standard of refereeing in general across the entire league. Brighton, my team, had a lot of problems with this. We probably had 12 to 15 points cost us over the course of the season when it evens itself out. Unlike once we won when we shouldn't have, once we lost when we shouldn't have. And there was numerous times where I would watch a game, be thoroughly pissed off, and immediately go to watch another one to zone out and become immediately annoyed again because someone's made a mistake again in the next game that has no emotional relevance to me. And I'm finding myself getting even more annoyed because it seemed that 
this season more than recent, more so than recent seasons, we had just a calamity of errors in officiating. The year before we bring in VAR, like it was the last thing they needed to do was fuck this up. Do you think that's that added pressure at all? Maybe. Maybe. I, I wonder if it's that or if they're just like, well, fuck it, VAR's coming next year. Or they can get used to calling whatever the fuck they want and they'll know they'll have the safety net of VAR. That might be it too. Like, I don't know. Or maybe it's just a placebo thing and it ain't as bad as it was. But it felt like it was worse across the whole league, not just for us. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it happens enough and you start looking for it. It's the... It's it's your ex girlfriend driving a white Jetta, and then you see nothing but white Jettas. Right. So like, if you're looking for, and people were looking for it because VAR's coming, so right. people are like, oh, with VAR, like I was as guilty as it is any as anybody, but I saw a lot more of it. Yeah, and you I'm, made a VAR comment every other week. Yeah. Typically. Yeah, and it was that was everyone would be making the same <coughs> comments, and I I don't know whether that's that affected the comment in or not so uh my surprises of the season yes was uh pleasant surprises I guess yeah one was Leicester City not falling apart when their owner died from the helicopter accident yeah uh only because I always feel like uh tragedy in American sports gets played up and then you have football players wearing the patches of their announcer that died or owner that died or whatever. And very seldom does they do they win one for the Gipper and like and pull it together and are fucking badasses now all of a sudden. And I didn't expect that to happen with Leicester, but I thought it would be the opposite. If only because they're removed from the league title. And then I can't remember I forgot what it was, but they obviously didn't have that same run-up the next year. And then their right. owner dying, the guy that helped take them there. And I felt like it could be the wind out of the sails and them just not get relegated, but really, really drop down. And they finished top 10. Um, yep. And they weren't, they were kind of sketchy form every once in a while, but but they still were around. They were consistently inconsistent. Yeah. but They were you, Bournemouth with a slightly better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the holes in the back of their feet. And the other surprise uh, was Brighton staying up despite um, pretty much mediocre form for the entire year of 2019. Mediocre is a very big compliment to one. Mediocre. I only, I only said mediocre instead of poor because of like the, the draw uh, that they had towards the end of the year and them holding against Man City for most of that match. Right. And it didn't get any points, so it didn't matter. No, but like, they still got tanked by three or four, whatever it ended up being. My only surprise of the season, because some teams like Watford did much better than I thought they would. Uh, Cardiff did better than I thought they would, but none of them are like, they were just like, huh, okay. The biggest shock of the season for me was Tottenham. Tottenham spent zero pounds this summer, just gone. They didn't buy a single player. Really? It was all over everything. Like, they cannot, like, what is this team doing? They're unambitious. How can they ever go any Is that including like youth? Yeah. They didn't buy a single person last year. Their net spend was zero pounds. Well, actually, it was probably in the plus because they sold, I'm sure they sold one or two people. But Tottenham Hotspur did not buy a single person in in the summer of last year. And I thought that they were going to sink 
they were going to be a seventh, eighth, ninth place team. And so they finished third the year prior to this season. Yes. And they decided, you know what? We have enough to win it all. And they didn't fucking spend another. They didn't spend a single penny when Arsenal and Chelsea had just got new managers in, in Sarri and Emery, and they knew they were going to spend. Manchester City and Liverpool were both on mad highs, and Manchester United were supposedly going to spend a lot of money in the summer. So they did nothing. And they still managed to finish third and reach a Champions League final. They improved upon last year. And probably... And I have no idea And maybe they win the Champions that. League final with Kane. At least... Com- a fit Kane. Yeah. Because he did. He was bad. Yeah, he yeah. was as useful as... Like, it was like... If I would have gone out there, I at least would have ran a bit. You could have had a, a cutout <laughs> of Harry Kane and been just as... Yeah. You could have just had a cardboard cutout and have like... <laughs> That's a scarecrow, Harry Kane. Got <laughs> his eyes poked out. String it to three pugs and have them <laughs> run around the pitch. Like it may even hit one and yeah, get a good get one too. <laughs> but one of the pugs get a red card for biting an ankle. That would be excellent. It's going spikes. But it still have more impact than Harry Kane did. I didn't know they didn't spend any money. That's crazy. Nothing. It was insane. What do you expect they do this? They've got to spend because Pochettino will leave if they don't. And players will leave if they don't, in my opinion. Because it is unambitious if they don't spend yeah. again. Like, Yeah, they've proved they can get third now yeah. at this point. Cool. So if you want to win the league... If you want to start competing with the two big boys, you've got to spend the money to yeah. compete. Did you have any other surprises? No. All right. That was my one. Uh, tell us about Aston Villa. I'm sorry. Aston Villa. Yeah. Norwich City. Norwich, yeah. Norwich. Nor- Norwich. 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 Let me start over. Uh, uh, let's tell us about... Would you tell, would you tell us about Aston Villa, Norwich City, and Sheffield... No, Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't got a lot on them. Um, because I don't really want to go too in deep with them. Because You can... If you wanted to just... I didn't have any expectations here... Uh, if you just wanted to tell me how shit their towns were, that the clubs are from, <laughs> that's almost all I need to know. So, um, I was going to give you what they did. Tiny little fact about them. Their player to watch for next season, and why. And that's it. Okay, let's do it. So, Norwich City, they won the league at a canter. Uh, nobody thought that they I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be the team to romp the league the but, tractor boys right uh, no, no they are the canaries fuck uh, everybody thought they'd do well but I don't think anybody thought they were going to absolutely wreck the league like they did smashed it they signed a Finnish striker and I don't know how you pronounce his name but I believe it's Timu Pucci maybe Pukki I don't know P-U-K-K-I but he was a free transfer and he went on to score 29 goals in 43, 43 games. Jesus. He was a player that I wanted us to sign if they didn't go up, just yeah. for the sake of the amount of goals he scored. Big question is going to be whether he can make it work at Premier League level. What makes him different from every other striker that's going to that's go up there? at that level. Right. Dwight Gale, great example, scored 30 goals a season in the championship, and he can't get a game in the Prem because he can't adapt. Same thing. Yeah. Anthony Knockart, player of the season the championship player of the season and is nothing more than a good winger in the Prem. What is he... How is he going to... How is he going to be the next... Right. 
Romelu Lukaku or players that come from or Daniel Sturridge players that go from like West Brom to Liverpool and Man United I don't know if he's going to be able to do it Sheffield United Norwich is an alright city by the way it's in the middle of fucking nowhere it's it's in yeah there's nothing to report (laughs) Uh, it's kind of almost the Alabama of England in in that everybody says that that area is like full of inbreds oh oh okay yeah and the really hot topic of abortion in Norwich is not (laughs) probably not such a big thing um Sheffield United Sheffield United are they came second won automatic promotion and they are probably the only surprise package in the entire top six over the list of the teams that are in the top six nobody would have surprised, been surprised by the other five but Sheffield United were a surprise Chris Wilder is their manager very good young manager I'm super intrigued to see how he does at the next level. He was a guy Brighton was maybe targeting, or that people that Brighton. There was rumors Brighton Brighton fans wanted Wilder in if potentially. He was like third or fourth on the list. Yes. Okay, gotcha. When Potter looked like he wasn't coming in, and the idea was Phil Neville, everybody was on the bandwagon of anybody but Phil Neville, um, and Wilder was definitely one of the names being talked about. Very good, your manager. Their player to watch is Billy Sharp. He's their captain. He spent a long time at Doncaster Rovers, uh, scored 40 goal, 40, 23 goals in 40 games for Sheffield United. And he actually got bought by Southampton 2011-2012, uh, and he only made two appearances in the Prem and immediately went out. Huh. Had a lot of injury issues, so it's going to be a case of can he come back and do something. But he's going to be the same as the, the Norwich striker. Yeah. Like, what's different about him because he's not... Other than him being able to play 36 matches. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see what he wrote. But if he played in 40, albeit... Yeah, he he had a lot of... He had breaks more than pulls. Yeah. So like it's, you either get better or you don't. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see what Wilder does. A lot of people are excited to see David Wagner come up. And he, he led Huddersfield on like a miracle run to keep them up in the first year. Yeah. Sheffield United are going to be the same situation. Nobody expects Sheffield United to stay up. They don't have the infrastructure that Norwich or Villa have. If they were to stay up, it would be Huddersfield levels of miracle. So when you say infrastructure, you're meaning their grounds, their... Their ground is is a good level ground. Norwich and Villa were both in the Premier League within the last four to five years. Okay. Sheffield United have been in the Premier League for 10 to 15 years. Hey, so good. like that... That extra amount of time out in the weeds is like it hurts teams financially, yeah. and I think they were even in League One for a little while. Like they aren't, they aren't at the same level as Villa and Norwich. Is what I'm saying. I was confused, and I wasn't aware for a while that there was two Sheffields. Yeah, which is confusing because there's Wednesday, right? Sheffield there is Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday as well. Where yeah. are they at? Are they? Dog they're shit? in the, no, they're in the Championship as well. So they're both in the Championship at the same time. Yeah, that's. Yeah, they've been in there for a long time. Thanks, Manchester and Sheffield. Shit, yeah, they were... Uh, for the last ten seasons then, for example, uh, they're in the championship for three of this four. This is Sheffield United. Just yeah. Play. From 08 to 11, they're in the championship. They got relegated. From 11 all the way through to 16, 17, they're in League One. They wow. then got promoted last year, finished 10th, and now they're up second in the league. So there's like, a, is, a huge leap forward. 
a huge league. That'd be it's all the, under Wilder. That was the difference. The last three years, or yeah. going into this third year of Wilder, I believe right? so. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, exciting. Cool. And Wilder's younger too, right? Yeah. So if if there's a chance, if Sheffield stays up this year, does he get taken by probably a big six? But everybody thought that's what would happen with Eddie Howe, and Eddie Howe at Bournemouth hasn't gone yet. I mean, he went to Burnley for a little bit, but I don't think they talk about that. Well, and the Huddersfield guy too before he stepped down, right? He's what a shocker now. Oh, that's right. You told me that. One of the biggest yeah. teams in Germany. Suck at Huddersfield. Seriously. What the fuck is that all about? But yeah, Chris Wilder came in in 2016. Uh, that year, he went on to win the League One. And then the following year, he finished 10th. And then the next season, he's promoted to the yeah. Premier League. So it's going to be. I'm really interested to see how he does. Like, I hope he does well. Villa. Villa came up through the playoffs. They should have done better than that. I think a lot of people thought they were going to be a top two team. They weren't. They have massive amounts of infrastructure considering they were one of the longest serving Premier League teams before they went down. They're owned by, I think, a Chinese group. Maybe a different Asian. Maybe it's Hong Kong. Maybe it's somewhere else. They're owned by an Asian group. Shit tons of money. They don't know whether they're... They're like iffy as to whether they put it in. They're a weird owner. Um... Jack Grealish is going to be their player to watch. He Grealish. Yeah, Jack Grealish. He's a young player. He's been with them for a while. In fact, he might not even be that young anymore. Um, shit hairstyle. You either love him or hate him. That last name is gross anyways. Oh, what a dipshit. That's Grealish, G-R-E-A-L-I-S-H, in case you're wondering... Um, yeah, he looks like an absolute shithead. He's been with Villa all his life. So he's a lifelong Villa. I think he's a Villa fan, too, honestly. Um, he was born in Birmingham. Like, he's a local lad. Same as Dunk. Coming he's to 23. He's came through the whole way through. He So Aston Villa, Aston Villa got him when he was at the age, at age six. Yep. So they've had his rights since 2001. Yep. And he was born in 95. Yeah. And... A lot of people thought he might go last year. Funnily enough, Tottenham were the team that were in the room and able to buy him. Uh, it was stayed. their only target. <laughs> right. He stayed. Um, will he... The big question is going to be, will he be able to hold that weight on his shoulders in the Premier League? Because he wasn't... He wasn't... He was very young the last time they were in it. He was at 18, 19, and he wasn't like a mainstay, but he did light it up somewhat. So, like, is he going to do another Sessegnon? Like, is he going to be phased out? Due to like big boy signings they make, right. like what's like what the fuck's gonna happen with Jack Grealish? It's gonna be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, twenty three. I feel like he's got a lot of legs left. I feel like he's probably my prediction is he's gonna be similar to Palace's Zaha in that he is gonna be okay. everything to Villa, but I'm not sure if he'll ever make it anywhere else. And Zaha got bought by Manchester United a couple of years ago. If you didn't know, I didn't. And he was so poor that he went back to Palace for a cup price. And I wonder if that's going to be the same story for Grealish. That, like, he'll light it up for the next two years, get signed by Spurs or someone, and never never right. make it. He's the foundation of Villa's house. No pun um, intended. But he's nothing more than that for the large building of an actual premier, like a top premier side. Yeah, like, he's he, he may just be a one-man club right. and can never produce the same magic somewhere. Big fish, small pond. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Howe is a great example. He went to Burnley for a couple of years from Bournemouth and never could do what he did 
at Burnley, at, Bour- at Bournemouth, at Burnley. It's understandably confusing. So then he left Burnley, went back to Bournemouth, and here they are. Yeah. Like, he he was a one-club manager. So for anyone that uh, is looking for an underdog, which all three of them are going to be in terms of staying up, every promoter team is. Yes. Who's the most likable? Sheffield United by a million by far, miles. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Off the very little I know, but I know I hated Villa and my FIFA save a long time ago. That's enough for me to hold a grudge. They're just nothing special. They've been there before for a long, long, long time. They think their fans think they deserve more than they do. They're the, uncle, they're the uncle that hangs around the party too long, right? Yeah. They just they they're there. They're not. They said bye. Five minutes later, they're still trying to say bye. Yeah. They're not. If you want to, if you want to root for one of these teams because you're picking it up after you know seeing some games this season or something and thinking I want to start afresh with a brand new team, right? Pick Sheffield United. You'll have a lot of fun regardless because it's going to be a trip. But also <laughs> the potential that they'll go down the quickest out of the. Three. They're definitely going to go down the quickest out of the three. But yeah. that's why it means more, right? Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. Um, so let's hop over to. AEW, All Elite yeah. Wrestling. <clears throat> so All Elite Wrestling, for those of you listening that aren't aware, uh, are a newer promotion who ran their first official pay-per-view since becoming AEW, right? Because I think they, they were not AEW when they ran All In. All In, their show in 2018. And they aren't classifying it as a show for that either. For Double or Nothing? No, AEW don't consider all in anything to do with AEW. Other than them keeping the casino uh, aesthetic, it seems like. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we had a really fun game to play with this. Before we get to that game, thoughts on the show? I really liked it. It was... I've got it under other comments. So I have my favorite match, my favorite star, and other comments. Okay. So I don't know if you want to go through the other comments or not. Let's uh, let's do favorite match. Favorite match. I can't believe I'm saying it either. The reason I'm, I'm shocked I'm saying it is two reasons. One of them is a 50-year-old man who hasn't really enamored me for the last 15 years. And the other one is someone who, even when I was a massive Orton mark, he never even attracted me much in Legacy either. And that was Cody Dustin. Tore the fucking house down. Incredible match. Unreal. <clears throat> I think it also shows that sometimes blood is okay and, ha- and does enhance a match as yeah. long as you have a proper story. To yeah, he you did, know... He did pump some I serious do, red out. I do him. feel like <laughs> your point does... Uh, your point, which is a fine point to make, which is also the same kind of fine point it attempted on his forehead, and it actually turned into this fucking gaping hole of blood, uh, and he lost a pint of fucking blood in the ring. Um, other than other than the three times, I don't really get squeamish about seeing that on TV, I just feel uncomfortable. I felt extremely uncomfortable three times when he would get back up, and they would they would show him facing down and you could see someone pouring out 10 milliliters of fucking blood. Just like in the five seconds it showed up. Right. That made me uncomfortable. The match itself was awesome. But 
I want to. I'm so glad you said that match because okay. there's something I've been been holding on. What happened before that match? The entrance, right? Oh, okay. We're gonna go for this. I'm hoping it was tongue in cheek, right? I and for those who haven't seen it, Cody Rhodes has this kind of long introduction. This video package it shows. It's really nothing. It's just music. It's just bullshit. Yeah. And then he comes out with Brandy in arm and Brandy and him go to the bottom of the ramp. She goes under it. She grabs a sledgehammer and he goes up to this throne that had been shown that has some skulls and it's the independent, what is it called? The iron cross. Yeah. Uh, an iron cross throne. And he goes and hits it with his sledgehammer to show this really weak special effect, like smoke puff. So we all know what he was doing, right? He was implying that it was it. It was a shot at Triple H. I think it was probably a tongue-in-cheek one. I mean, Brandy said herself was screaming that the king is dead. I think we're all know what the king is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was clear. I think above. I think it was also a nod to Game of Thrones a little bit, if I had to guess, just because yeah, Iron maybe. the Iron Cross Throne. I'm just making a making a guess there. Uh, I didn't watch this show um, with dragons. So, I think though, what was really funny about it, and I think it was tongue-in-cheek, was the intro was too long, which is the gripe of trips. Yeah. It involved Brandy, the gripe of the trips and Steph McMahon. Yeah. She interfered and was a distraction in the match. The gripe of Steph in a match with trips. Um, I'm hoping it was intentional. And I think it was because the match even started in a more WWE style with that and everything else. And then as soon as Brandy got out, that's when they got into the fucking shit and moved on. Yeah. So I'm hoping it was that. And if it was that, it's brilliant. If it wasn't that, it was still pretty cringy with the hammer to the throne. If it's if it isn't tongue in cheek, it is one of the cringiest entrances. <laughs> yeah, but Without, entirely. If it wasn't, if it was tongue in cheek, and the reason I'm inclined to agree with you that it was, is because especially when we get to the Moxley stuff, the general thought process seems to be that Triple H is an all-around great dude. Vince is the problem. Yeah. It would make no sense for them to take a shot at Trips when generally he's actually pretty well-liked, which is ironic given his beginnings. Of, yeah. Like, people well, fucking hate I think they also understand who's going to be in control if AEW is to stick around and who their competitor and or ally might be in terms of making wrestling better, right? Right. Like it's, and they it's, know that Triple H wants to make wrestling better because yeah. he's already done things that Vince would never have done on his own. Um, the match itself was, like you said, great. I, uh, I did watch... I was watching this as my brother came over with his kids. This is Memorial Day weekend. And my little brother comes in, who we have a weird relationship anyway, so it's whatever. But... He does a little speech to Dustin, and Dustin's yes. crying, and he's crying, and I definitely teared up, which is just I and and apparently it was a nod to like an old Dustin Rhodes, uh, a Dusty Rhodes um, promo that he did thirty years ago. Okay, because he used the same thing. I don't need a brother. I need a partner. What? I don't need a partner. I need something, something. Um, yeah, it was good. It was, it was great. Really the whole thing was great. My stuff to pick a favorite match, but I think the one that I was the most pleasantly surprised 
on was the six-man tag that actually opened the proper show. Okay. SoCal and censored against uh, the most the most Japanese faction named Stronghearts. <laughs> it sounds like a, a Final Fantasy. No, they're final. And it sounds like a Final Fantasy knockoff. No, 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 no. So. They Jim Ross made the same mistake on commenting. Well, that's why I believed it. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, Jim. So they are over <laughs> in, uh, I guess it's Orient or Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, whatever it is. Right. They're over there training them, and so is but, SoCal and Censored. But they, they are themselves are Japanese. Japanese. Okay. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, they all. I want to say they all are um, Dragon Gate guys. Okay. If I had to remember. I mean, that would also make sense. Uh, the match was phenom- phenomenal. Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frank Kazarian are old, and they look like AJ Styles does, which is fucking timeless yeah. still. Uh, Scorpio Sky, I'd never actually seen him wrestle, was fucking fire. Yep. Uh, every like every one of the Stronghearts, T Hawk and L uh, Lindemann, which is such a weird Japanese. Which category. one was the massive hench lad? The, the short the short guy that was stocky, yeah. Lindemann. He was my favorite. He was three. fucking great. He was I had never good. heard of the guy. No, neither have I. Seema's the one that had the shredded shorts. He was the older dude. He's the older dude, and he's the guy that who has basically made six-man tags what they are in Japan. Right. Because he's so masterful at calling them. But I guess he's also known as like the fucking training guru. Too, yeah, he's, which a, he's is a, why he's over it. He's a hell of a worker and a brilliant dude. Um, I love that. And he match. was great. Yeah, it was the whole match was great. And I thought it was the perfect way to start the show. Of you have three Japanese wrestlers. And you know what? Lindemann might be Chinese. He may be. Okay. But they're but they're representing a Chinese promotion. And then you have three American wrestlers, one of which are black, and the diversity in it too, for you to lead off your show on what's going to be a very inclusive and progressive. Uh, promotion they're they're hoping right um, and that everyone kind of hopes it was really really fucking cool and it made me realize how much I miss good six man tags yeah because that's they're hard to beat they can be so great when they're flawless like that it's hard to beat any it is um what was the other one you had your favorite person yeah I know who you're gonna say well, and I'm pretty sure what? I'm gonna say the same guy if you end up say, so you wanna do on the count of three. Sure. We'll do one, two, three, and then we'll say the name. Okay. One, two, three. MJF. MJF. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout out to someone else before we get into him then. Because okay. I wanted to go with this other person, the Luchasaurus. Yes. Luchasaurus is fucking. Holy shit. I'd never heard of him. I gather he was in Lucha Underground for some time. Yep. I'd never seen him, never heard of him. They need He's to also fucking, a big brother. They need to sign that man up now. They did. You know they did. They have got so him now. So because of the reactions that they got on the show, like three days after the show, they offered him a contract. Good. He simply has to be in that show full time because he was fucking excellent. Yeah, he's real good. We can carry on with them, Shane. He reminds me, he reminds <laughs> me of Canyon, only if, if nothing else because of the hair and the size. As who? Chris Can- uh, Canyon. Who better than Canyon? There's, uh, it's not ringing a bell. He... Died in an unfortunate circumstance. Was he WWF? He was WCW and then he had WWF for a little bit. He used to do the Canyon Cutter and it was when he was mocking Diamond Dallas Page and he would do the out of nowhere, uh, the out of nowhere Canyon Cutter. He was greatness and he was an absolute, he was the innovator of offense, I think was his nickname. He was great. Go back, find WCW matches with Canyon in them and enjoy. He also was called Mortis for a second. And suicide by antidepressant overdose. Yeah, and it's weird to bring him up. Yeah, yeah, it's weird to bring him up because he was also uh, one of the first openly gay wrestlers later on in his career, and he got 
uh, dicked on by WCW locker room that was pretty poisonous at the time. And I think that's what led down that's that road. Sad. Uh, um, miss you, Canyon. Miss you every day. Yeah, never heard of him. Uh, worth checking out. In fa- he's phenomenal. Cool. Um, but which source is great. MJF is... He is as if EC3 got left um, on high in the dryer and he shrunk a little bit, uh, <laughs> which is um, which is okay, I think. I he reminds me of you remember how shitty Miz was when he was young. He's I think he's almost at Miz levels now, but he's young. Yep. Which makes I have me, that exact sentence. Fuck off, really? I think, yeah. Look. It's probably why I like him because he looks like a young Miz. Yeah, and acts he's, like a young Miz. Yeah, he, he's he, twenty three. He does years Miz old. as good as Miz. Yeah, he's twenty three years old. Yeah, he's um, he's a fucking star, and I haven't openly laughed at anything, any stand up, any movie. You know what? I take that back. I laughed. Uh, the last time I laughed as hard as I did, genuinely. When he did the rib on Bret Hart about someone running to the ring was when uh, <laughs> when Hulk jumped out of the plane in Thor Ragnarok and hit the bridge and the wolf just kind of like looked at him thinking he was going to turn to the Hulk and okay. just like nuzzled him. That was the last time I had openly laughed that hard and yeah. really like and and not be like like something from media. We obviously laugh and it's laughter right. genuine. But I'm trying to think. I'm wondering how much I laughed at Endgame and the other ones. But Endgame, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to be fair. The cat meeting cat one was very good. I did laugh at that. Or but thinking that Rocket Raccoon the whole time was a stuffed animal at the beginning. And yeah, that was good. But no, that it, that entire promo, was him just coming out, just absolutely. Sea biscuit. Sea biscuit. <laughs> In fact, I think I think I'd laughed a lot. I've been giggling, and Sea Biscuit was the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> yeah. for me. Like I've been like, huh. well, it's also him calling him a horse face, and Adam Adam Page selling it and then also making his face look as long as possible in his reactions <laughs> and the camera just like sat on him he is he is going to be money for a long long time yeah I think so too and I think the benefit that they they know what they got in him and that he's entertaining as shit and he doesn't have to win a goddamn thing for a while None. he can just be a shit talker and he's um, social media savvy too Good. That doesn't and surprise that's me. just like, I mean, he's 23, right? Like, you've got to be at this age. Uh, I heard a story about him after that show. There, um, He was walking with the guy that hosts another wrestling podcast. And they were walking, and it was down a street, and they ran. And, like, on the other side of the street was a guy wearing an AEW shirt. And they were having a conversation, and he stopped the guy, MJW did, and goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he waved and get that got that guy's attention. It was across the street. He's like, hey, hey, hey. And he looked over, and the guy goes, like, MJF. And he just goes, fuck you, and gave him the double birds, and then continued walking on. So, like, he's just living the gimmick out there, too. He made a complete shithead. I'd die for him. He's already one of my favorites. Yeah, By 100%. a long way. Like, just, no, I mean, just in wrestling. I, he's already, oh, just, like, up he's, there with one of my favorites. He's he's one of the, like, four people that when they I have a mic, I'm like, cool, I'll listen to this guy. He's got yeah. something. And Miz is the other, one of the others. Yeah, so. and honestly, but depending on Miz's feud, it won't even be Miz sometimes. Because I can only hear him talk about Shane and his father so, so many times. <laughs> right, for real. Um, So the fun game we had... Wait, was that it? What, what else? Yeah, I one? have other comments, but we can go through all of them after the game. I can't even remember what the game was. The game was... 
We did I know do. about the game? Yeah, you fucking you created it. Oh, did I? Take a WWE wrestler. Oh yeah. Take a WWE Jesus wrestler, Christ. a singles wrestler, a tag team, and a women's wrestler from WWE, and and put them in AEW if it thinks it would benefit. Which which of those categories would they benefit the most from a relaunch in AEW? Yes. Was the answer right? Yes. So. I'm gonna do my women's first. All right, Sam, we can do women. It's I Kyrie. think we may end up with the same one. No way. All right, Kyrie Sane. Okay. And the reason is, I get the pirate princess gimmick, and I understand her passion for it. I think it's cool that they're letting her do it. Right. I think at large the WWE crowd will never ha- the pirate princess is never going to get over. Okay. As it's constructed, and. It's not WWE's fault. It's probably their audience's fault. But I feel like Kyrie saying, um, especially after watching the match and what they already have, I think she could compliment at worst those three ladies that were in the ring: Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and uh, Smiley Kylie. I think her name was right. Smiley Kylie. Smiley right. Kylie. Who did? Yeah. Who did? Who did Bailey better than Bailey? Right. Yeah. And who was great, who smiled the whole time when they introduced Awesome Kong, and she's just like, yeah, yeah. just kind of smiling and like nodding nervously. <laughs> um, yeah, Kyrie Sane for me. Okay, fair. Neither of us had gone for the one I thought then, because mine's Sonya Deville. Who did you think it was going to be? Sasha. Ooh, I forgot about it completely. But Sonya Deville, fuck yes. She is never going to get used how I think she could be used to the top level in WWE. She could be the main roster's Baszler. Yep. If she yeah. wanted to be, um, she's good enough in almost every way. She's even even in the most superficial of ways. She's an incredibly attractive woman. So Vince even has that. It's not like Basil, who is not. Well, and she's also openly gay, which is a good thing for the company to right. to have. And like, but even on the base level, like Vince shouldn't not use her to the extent he could. Because we all know he likes attractive girls. And she is, so like, fucking user. But he, he ain't gonna. And she would tear her up. I agree. Somewhere like AEW. Yeah, I think I think her biggest um, downfall is that at the same time she got moved up, Shayna came into her own, the four horsewomen came into their own, or, or, or started being pushed, yeah. and Ronda being a thing. Yep. Because immediately, her... Even though she has an MMA background, she's not the fucking four horsewoman of MMA. No. You know, it's, you can't really compete with that from a name standpoint and probably from a sales standpoint. Agreed. But that's actually a really sneaky good pick. I would love to see it. Man. Sasha Banks, I'm honestly done with her. I'm cool. I'm not bothered with Sasha Banks. Yeah, I've been bothered with Sasha Banks for a while. About the third time I saw her scorpion herself when she jumped out of the ring and just like almost broke her neck, I was like, right. I'm cool with you not being here. And I'm kind of sick of the social media shit too. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I don't care. Like, it's funny because like, I think you know, she's actually a pleasant person, but like, I, I think she's the exact opposite. Really? I so, think she's an incredibly unpleasant see, whenever, person. See, I've only seen her on Up, Up, Down, Down, and she seems pretty cool. But then I remember as soon as I said that, how much she is. And getting interrupted at the airport to sign shit is probably super annoying. And I get a creepy it. wrestling fan, I get it too. But she doesn't have very much tact in anything she does. And I don't mean to be rude to these people, and I don't live that life ever. But if I was living my dream, I feel like I wouldn't be as miserable as some of them are. Yeah. And I don't think her complaints are the same as John Moxley's, which we'll get into in a second. Right. And um, 
you have people who don't do it. You have people like Miz, who's been living the gimmick for the last 20 years yeah. and, like, shits himself with happiness because someone annoys him at the airport. Right. Like, whether he really feels it in his head or not, yeah. like, it's that tap thing you would just I mean, say. he was cutting promos when he was on the real world. Like, he's wanted it right. so bad. Um, which makes me question and how she much... Said, she says she's wanted it since she was five years old and it certainly doesn't look like it. Yeah, it's tough. When Bailey's been getting arguably a worse hand and is been doing the best she can right um uh you do your tag team and then I'll do my tag team and we'll kind of snake it and you'll finish with your male competitor I'm shooting for the moon but I'd love to see the Usos fuck so cause it'll be so first time I ever saw the Young Bucks I thought they're better Usos but the Usos still had a shitty gimmick when they and were the surfer boys and mullets. Yes. And when the Usos turned heel, I thought, fuck, I only want to see the Usos versus the Young Bucks. God. I assumed you were going to say Revival, but I'd be all about the fucking Usos. The Revival are almost like... I think they're a given. They're an easy... They're a super safe pick because you know they're going to leave soon and then they're going to go exactly where they need to go. Yeah. But just thinking on dream booking, like, how could anybody not want to see... The Usos against the Lucha Bros. Yeah. The Usos against the Bucks. The Usos against... Like, you could just put them against so many teams that it would just tear the house out. Yeah, the Usos All would the be fantastic. Um, Especially if they keep that day one-ish shtick. Yeah. And they don't have to keep the exact same one because Vince will shit his pants with anger. But, like, just that gangster, weird, like... Down with the like their their current. You've never sounded more white than that last like half sentence. But they're like they're current, <laughs> right? They're current. They yeah. know what their audience is for the younger crowd, but they're not cringy doing it. Like yeah. they feel authentic with the day yeah. one. Uh, honestly, the fact that they have Usos written on their tights again almost bothers me because it, it leans away from what they've right. been. Um, God, Usos is a great shout. I was going to go Good Brothers, but I'm actually going to take that back because, like, that the revival. Be really fun too, the Good Brothers, I think it'd be cool, but I'd only be cool with it if they came in and didn't have a place because the fucking Bullet Club and everything's been turned over once again and they come in as heels and just, or faces, depending on what the elite are doing. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun. Finding their way. Yeah. I think, I think my actual answer, um, the more I think about it, is the Ascension. Okay. Um, and, and and here's two reasons. They're not One, that old either, are they? They're not AJ Styles old, Mid-30s. but they're older than Roman Reigns. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're they're mid-30s. Okay. Um, and I think, uh, if only the reason because the size that Connor gives you, and I think they've actually probably got a shit ton more in the bag, and they've shown it in flashes when they can for their two-minute matches. Right. But I'd love to see him fucking wrestle a 12-minute match once. It'd be nice to see it. Like, and let Connor get on the fucking juice again because he tried it with WWE and it got popped. So let him just get fucking huge. 38 and 39 now. Okay. See, they, see I think that even benefits they, it they more. They still have a great run left. I think, they, I think they have the ability to be a recognized name for AEW and they could benefit from that and help put over young talent, which they're clearly okay with doing because that's all they've been able to do in WWE. Even when they were early thirties, yeah, when yeah. they should have, when they had no place doing that. Um, my singles pick. Yes, I hope yours is as controversial as mine because I feel like mine is going to be. I hope we don't have the same one. God, I'll be annoyed if we do. Is I thought there's no way you'd have this. None other than Baron Corbin. Phew! When you started, I was shitting my pants, but go on. 
So Baron Corbin can already do what MJF does, but he adds size to the roster. He's immediately going to get go away as soon as he gets there. Yeah. And and he legitimately can fucking go. And he's shown that time and time again despite people shitting on him. Yep. As long as it's Baron Corbin and whatever weird biker gimmick he wants to do and not fucking Baron Corbin the bartender. I think he could do great things. And I think it'd be even cooler having someone like him and someone like Luchasaurus who are both chaotic perhaps... But one's chaotic evil, one's chaotic neutral. And I think it's important to have all nine of those squares filled out on your roster somewhere. Right. Um, that's my controversy. I like that shout, though. I would like to see it. Just because he is the embodiment of what Smarks hate yeah. right now. Which is insane because like he's shown that he can stand toe-to-toe in the ring and cut a promo with Vince, with Triple H. Maybe it's all written. Maybe I'm getting fooled. But like, oh, I'm sure it is. Just given what we're about to talk about. Yeah, but I think he's, I think he's genuinely an extremely talented guy. Yeah, and I think he's also in it. Eighty percent for the money and twenty percent for the wrestling, and I think it shows in the way he treats his opponent, which makes him even better heel. Yeah, I agree. That would be fun. Who's yours? <sighs> this person. Is currently in an incredible spot. And I still think that they're going to be better off going somewhere else. An incredible spot in WWE. Bray Wyatt. Fuck. Firefly Funhouse is excellent. Yes, agreed. The original Wyatt family was excellent. They had a gimmick that Bray was so into that he could have become... Depending on if the stars aligned, he could have legitimately become the next Undertaker type personality. Every, I think every fan, including me, that came back either because of Bray Wyatt or right as Bray Wyatt was doing his thing, right. thought that exact. That's the exact vibe I got off of him. Was he was a new age? Uh, he was the Undertaker, but instead of burying people, he unearthed conspiracy. Yeah, and he. Lost to Cena. Bobby's favorite wrestler. He lost to... Who else did he lose to? Cena and someone else. Uh, Cena was the big one, and then he feuded with Ambrose and lost to him. Was it that one? There was two that he did and never became the same. He was never the same again, and they fucked his character hard. He's gone away and rebuilt himself. I guess Randy Orton. Randy Orton killed his sister in the house. (laughs) But he, uh, (laughs) he has rebuilt from the very bottom all the way up. He is incredibly fucking meta and clever with his shit. Like, the amount of theories that you're reading on Firefly Funhouse just show how clever he is because he's intertwining a million different theories. Like Huskus the Pig and Husky Harris and, like, all those little nuts. And this idea that, like, I saw one uh, yesterday saying that, like, everything in Firefly Funhouse are criticisms of Bray Wyatt. The Sister Abigail, the... Mercy the Buzzard because he was a ripoff of Waylon Mercy... Abby the Witch, because everybody shit on Sister Abigail mm-hmm. after a while. Huskers the Pig, because he was too big to be considered a... Who's, what about the rabbit? Rambling Rabbit, because... Oh, because he talks voice. all the time. Holy shit. Yeah, and like that, I love that theory the most so far. And this next one, the, the fit dance or the muscle dance or whatever it mm-hmm. was, is him 
showing him that he's no longer Huskers the pig, pig boy. Right. And, but like, even if it's not that, like the fact that there's legit threads all the way through, and you just know he's going to be used incorrectly as soon as he gets in the ring. And that's what pisses me off. Put him on AEW, and I don't think he gets the same. I think he's clever enough, clearly, to do all this himself. Yeah. And you know this is an idea he's pitched, because there's no way that they're clever enough to come up with a pitch like this. So just let him, like, let him see it all the way through. I think there's a very small uh, benefit to your proposal, too. And I think that his dad follows him. Because his dad's a producer. Is he really? Yeah. You know his dad. Mm-hmm. His dad is Erwin R. Scheister, IRS, the old wrestler. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I should have known that. Or I probably didn't forgot a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I think that that's an added benefit of him potentially doing it, which would be cool. Yeah. But I think, honestly, I don't know what his contract looks like at all. But if no, this doesn't, if he gets fucked again with this kind of gimmick, I can see him doing it. Why wouldn't I could, you? I could easily see him doing it, especially with Harper in the same situation. Yeah. It'll be really weird when the, the Wyatt, it'll be the, the Wyant family. <laughs> and it will be uh, like Luchasaurus, the Light of No Legs that was in the Battle Royal. And uh, Sunny Days, that weird guy with the, like the egg face makeup. I wonder when his contract does look by. I wonder if there's anything on here. But that's my pick. That's and awesome. I know that's a I know that's a random one, but man, I would love it. I think that'd be sick. Love it. It'd be awesome. Uh, we're at a minute, a minute, an hour twenty eight. Let's do this Moxley thing quick. Okay. Uh, actually, you know what? Give me a few things you thought were interesting of what he said. I'll do the same, and then largely the 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 <coughs> overall breakdown of what he said. I guess that makes sense. I thought it was very interesting that he was absolutely, constantly intense about putting it all on Vince. He didn't want shit on the writers or the producers. And him revealing the relationship that essentially has the producers and writers as hostages yeah. so the wrestlers don't kick off. Or messengers. Yeah, was very interesting and sad because I couldn't imagine going into work every day knowing that my job depended on somebody else not kicking off after getting a shit hand. Yeah. Because that's bad. That sucks. So that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, Building on that, the... How clear to us, I feel like, as fans, with the Dean Ambrose gimmick, when it made a turn and it was just like, this lunatic, fr- this lunatic friendship doesn't mean anything. It's right. just, it's just he's quirky, you know? And, and hearing him on those same timelines and losing interest in it because he's having to do goofy and goofier shit or drive a goddamn ice cream truck or you know do whatever with the and that's and it's, it's immediately when I was out on Dean was when he started doing the goddamn snake neck and doing goofy wonky shit yep I was totally fucking out same and funnily enough probably the same as most people yeah and and and, him. <laughs> and for him to still still be giving it his all and Vince seeing it as his character and not understanding even where his character had come from just a year before. Yeah. You know? 
he didn't he didn't seem to get it at all. When I saw when I went when I got back into wrestling, it was right before the mania that Rollins cashed in. And at the time, Rollins and Dean Ambrose had a feud going, going into Hell in a Cell. And I was at that show in Dallas. And Dean and Seth, Dean went out first, and Dean was on top of the fucking Hell in a Cell with the kendo stick daring him to yes. come up, and he was fucking crazy. Yes. And I seeing it live, that. I was like, this motherfucker is, I get what he's doing. He's he was nuts. essentially living the Moxley gimmick. Yeah. That's really what it reminded because at that point, I'd like seen like one or two of his matches before he came in. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, he's proper going for it. And the WWE like, version. And, <laughs> and I was here for it. And then before I knew it, he's like all shucks Ambrose and yeah. doing weird, doing weird shit. Like he said, the promo where he's like, I drove down, I drove down, uh, my throat's fucked up, so this would be perfect. It is. I drove down backwards. <laughs> he sounds, he's 33 and he sounds like a hard 33 or 31. He sounds a lot better on Wade Keller's show. Yes. So I don't know whether, what was going on with Y2J. Although Y2J does like to liquor everyone up. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very possible. <laughs> but yeah, like I drove down backwards 20 minutes down the highway. You know, like, like shit like that. Like no one actually fucking talks like that. No. It was, it was, it was instead of seven, and the crazy fringe person he could have been, he was uh, a knockoff Ninja Turtles baddie. Yeah. You know, he was, he was yeah. or he was like the amazing Spider-Man one baddie, not... It was bad. Yeah. My other one from it was more just like mourning, mourning a moment that I wish could have happened, realizing he wished could have happened and never happening was him and Brock. Yeah, being and something. All that story that he had, he tried to pitch, he wanted to pitch, and I'm sat there going, "Fuck, man, they're the they're the exact same leafs out of the book that I wished he would have done, and what he was given instead, just so disappointing." And you, I don't know what's going on, like with Brock, like because then you talk, like you speak to some of them, and they say like he is super invested, and you speak to others, and he just doesn't care, and it's like. He's. He needs to. He needs. If he decides, he's in on it. But for Dean having as much looking inward as he did, and not catch the difference, which is Brock didn't choose Dean. Right. When Brock and chooses people, you can genuinely tell in the matches. Yeah. Because he picked Finn. He and picked, he picked Dean, Yeah, and he, and he picked uh, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. But like when he pick when when it's picked for him, I don't think he gives he a just fuck. Checks out. I agree. Um. Yeah, that that the whole thing at large reaffirmed everything. I thought that in a depressing way, <laughs> in, a, in a depressing way, and I think that like hopefully, like he said, I think during the Wade Keller thing, is it allows it's a wake up call, and I'm not particularly hopeful about it. But I think that the let's hopefully it'll stop people from blaming the goddamn writers. And I think having and and the one thing I had that I knocked that I didn't I didn't like what he said was he was talking about writers coming in that weren't wrestling, like Emmy award winning writers that came in that weren't gotcha. that they weren't known or. That weren't familiar with wrestling necessarily. Right. 
I see the knock on it, but there's a finite number of wrestling angles. And there's even a more finite amount of subtlety in professional wrestling as something as simple as walking by each other, bumping shoulders and planting that seed, right? That you hear like Bruce Pritchard talk about. Right. There's so many people that are still in wrestling, especially in WWE that are old school, that will reuse these plot lines that can work. They can redo the 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 uh, Mega Powers gimmick and probably nail it again. But it's still the Mega Powers gimmick that they have right. done again. So I think there's a good reason to have those writers in there. But it's clear that whether it be patience or inability to understand the concept, that ain't there, right? Right. With Vince. No. Because it's obviously there. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong in Gargano Champa and their entire story arc in terms of injuries and everything else. Right. And all they did was make it better and embrace those things. Yep. And you and and part of that's wrestling, but there's room for storytelling and fable storytelling and fantasy and every other kind of storytelling. You can implement that. Lucha Underground did a fantastic job of it. It was one of the most well-written shows ever. I think you also have the thing of like the, there are finite angles, there's finite everything, and I think there's also only a certain amount of wrestlers that can do what he can do. Yeah. Like you, some people need those people. Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like you get you get four you get four girls on a mic, right? And you give them their their five classes of promo, and you have Alexa Bliss, and you have I'm trying to think of anybody else on her page, right? Who can suddenly spit bars on demand, and then you have a superstar like Bailey who just can't do shit. And like right. that, the Bailey is what you're, what you're trying to do. Like that's the person that you're hiring that writer for. Yeah, and 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 and, and those writers should not be a brace. They should be a crutch. Right. Right. Like I think I know Mojo Raleigh can actually cut an angle. I don't doubt it. Can he cut an angle for whatever character he's playing? Not sure. Right. And that's where those writers come in because they can be the reminder. It shouldn't be the other way. It shouldn't be the writer and the person going, I don't know if my character should say that. It should be the 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 character or the, the, the person, in this instance Mojo, saying, I want to come out and say this and maybe getting provided bullet points and go, cool, yeah, I'm going to say this. And right. the writer who's got this character down, who helped develop this character and knows the storyline, can look and say, well, I'm not sure that Mojo Raleigh would say this because remember, he ditched you, you didn't ditch him, or right. what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's 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 almost a quality assurance is what they should be. It yes. should be a QA process. And they're not right now. And right now, that's why you're getting red wagons being brought to the ring by Dean. That's why you're getting this is your life angles with Bliss and Bailey. Like these things should never be happening. No, they, they, I think they are QA, but they're doing what my wife and I do with our two-year-old, which is like, let's play blocks. I make a really sweet fucking tower, and my kid looks at it and is like, Haha, and just fucking slaps it down, and Godzilla's through my little block tower. And then guess who does it again? Me, because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> and I do it again. I make a cool little shape. Or right. little, it's a giraffe, you know? You, you are Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and, 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 and I, keep, I keep creating, right, and then getting shit on it. 
it's different, I guess, and it's my kid and I don't hate her. No, um, but it's the same premise. Like, it's like, instead of her going, yeah, but it's funny because it's smaller now, and, and they're going to Bray, like, yeah, but it's funny because you got a beard. Like, right. what? Yeah. <laughs> it's not related at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating, and, and I think that, just like John Moxley said, I hope that it puts, it changes something more than just everyone buying their time for when Vince dies. Yep. That's what it is. That's where I've been. Agreed. It's the same thing with Jerry Jones for me, is Vince. I'm just kind of, I'm waiting for him to fucking die. Uh, that's everything we have, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you're still listening, Kyle, have a great Pride Month. Uh, we'll see y'all in two weeks. And he'll be back then. It's he'll only be- this week that he went on his little road trip, so. If he makes it back, you never know. Those parades get crazy. Um, rate, review, subscribe. You know what? Just subscribe. Don't rate. Rate later. Add us at Sports Trebuchet on Twitter. Uh, Have a good one.